You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Straight. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Oh, my, what a beautiful day. I mean, and I know we're in Anniston, Gadsden, Birmingham, and Tuscaloosa, but I can't imagine it looking much different than it does here in Birmingham. It's gloomy day. So there are two things you do on a gloomy day. You stay in bed and you binge watch Yellowstone or whatever you like. <laughs> or you come in and you, do, you warm up the radio. Lars Anderson, welcome to the show on a Tuesday. Good to be here. <laughs> we are shrouded in fog. It's, uh, and we're uh, at kind of one of the mountains that leads up to the top of Red Mountain. So we're a little higher, and as a result, it's a little bit more dense. So anyway, enough of that. Um, our buddy Mike Rodak, Rodak uh, from AL.com, and I did try and contact him, but he could not join us. So I'm going to uh, give you some information on the uh, on the article he posted this morning. And first of all, I want everybody that's on Mike, to be very, very honest with me right now, have you ever heard of Ryan Grubb? <laughs> I'm reading about Ryan Grubb. Okay. Have, yes, hey, Josh. I've, I've heard about, I, heard about, I, I heard about him this morning. Yes, me too. Have you heard of Ryan Grubb? Come on, Josh? I am not. Aiden. First. Aiden, uh, Joe, come to me from Tuscaloosa. Before this morning in Mike Rodak's article, had you ever heard of Ryan Grubb? Uh, yesterday on the Ryan Fowler show, but before that, no. Okay. Okay, all right. Well, the reason I ask, and and you guys, I hope you understand how much better you make me feel. Because anybody that's making $2 million a year as an offensive coordinator and being interviewed by Nick Saban to take over that position at Alabama, I feel like I should know about him. But I didn't. And apparently he had interviewed with Saban and said he wants to stay at Washington. And this particular article that – that Mike Rodak wrote said he was a top target. Yeah, he's a he's a hot young name right now, and uh, I know that there's a, even uh, NFL teams are interested in him. And uh, he was also on the Texas A and M list earlier this month, and apparently he arrived in Tuscaloosa on Sunday and spent Monday with uh, the coaches and you know officials on campus. And um, Nick Saban uh, couldn't get him. That's that's the report. But, yeah, I mean, I, again, I think that may be a little bit of an oversimplification. Maybe they just figured out they weren't a great fit. You know, the more I think about it, I think Freddie Kitchens would be perfect. I brought him up last week, and it kind of got crickets. But tell me why, and then I'll tell you why. Well, he has experience at the highest level. Um, you know, things didn't work out for him at Cleveland, but uh, I don't think he was given enough time. Two years? I think it was just two, yeah. 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 Um, he, he he is just a really good offensive coach, played quarterback at Alabama, obviously. 
uh, <laughs> Jay said he wasn't accurate, man, but he could throw a ball through a wall. Yeah. He had, <laughs> he had a tomahawk, whatever you want to call it. it. He had a seems, cannon. It seems like he would he be. He played with Big Ben, so he would know. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Um, just seems like he would be uh, an ideal guy for that job, uh, given all of that. Um, again, his, his experience as a as a play caller for years and years, and he's at South Carolina right now as a senior analyst. So you would think uh, he would be interested in coming home to uh, to T Town. Um, I know people brought up Joe Brady, the the, the Bills quarterback coach. Um, who also was really instrumental in the development of Joe Burrow. But, I'll jump in right but here. I, I, don't I don't think they win the national championship without Brady. Am I overstating it? Well, I, was Brady calling the plays? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't think he was. It was? Uh, who was? I don't know. Oh, that's I, a I good don't question. Know. I don't know. I, I, he was uh, definitely at least quarterback coach. Yeah, he was quarterback coach. I, I, I'm not sure how involved he was for, with OC. Yeah. Well, whoever was calling the plays didn't miss but three all year. <laughs> I mean, that team could just shatter you offensively. Yeah. That that it was one of the greatest offensive teams I've ever seen. The only one I think that compares with it is when Cam ran through the, the yeah. gauntlet with the uh, – but, yeah, anyway, getting back to Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, so uh, and I've gotten to know Freddie a little bit through Bruce Arians, uh, and, and Bruce gives his you know highest uh, recommendation on on Freddie, and uh, gotten I think we talked to Freddie a few times uh, on when I was doing the show with uh, Jay Barker because of Jay and Freddie being so close, and I, I just it just seems like a good fit to me. Uh, it's it's a it's a coach that. He doesn't necessarily have to go through kind of the you know the Nick Saban rehab, so to speak. Yeah. He didn't. I don't think he really did anything. Hasn't done anything wrong, but uh, it's certainly it's a it's a job that is very high profile and a job that you just look at the past five offensive coordinators and, and where they have jumped to after the job. Most I think three of the five are head coaches. If I'm not. From I think I think that's right, um, and uh, Bill O'Brien now back in the NFL as the offensive coordinator for New England. Um, look, this is a it's a it's a job that will get you another job most likely because you're going to have the talent, um, you're going to have the 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 players capable of winning national championships, and that just puts you in the spotlight. Um, I mean, Lane Kiffin, I think, owes his career to Nick Saban. Um, but Lane obviously did a lot for Alabama in sort of revolutionizing the offense. And they, I think they still, I think you could argue that they still use a version of what, I of agree. what Lane installed. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, I, I think, I don't think Nick is in a hurry to make this hire. Do you? No, and uh, he's just going to be thorough on both both sides. He's going to finish his task at hand. That's recruiting. Signing day is tomorrow. I would expect maybe he takes a week off. He goes to the lake in Georgia. Then he comes back. He's going to get on it. And I would think that we're probably going to hear something uh, mid February. Uh, Wouldn't you think? But uh, anyway, but it it is interesting. So the new offensive coordinator will be the sixth different. 
OC in the last eight seasons for Saban. Yeah, th- but but I don't think that's a reflection on how the offensive coordinator has felt about Saban. It's that they get better job offers, right? Either to become yeah. a head coach, well, or a, a lot of them have been or, head coaches. Go, they get revitalized, just yeah, Lynn Kiffin, or, or go back to the NFL. Go. Yeah, so um, I think Kitchens would be perfect. Let me tell you a little bit about Freddie Kitchens that you probably know, but um, and we've got a lot of listeners up in uh, Etowah County, Gadsden area. Uh, he's an Etowah County guy. And those that live in Etowah and those that uh, know about Etowah know that means you're tough as a pine knot. And Freddie was. Um, Freddie was the kind of guy, I remember telling Jay Barker this on the air, because they played on the same teams. Um, and then Freddie eventually became the, so- uh, the starter after Jay went to the NFL. But I was talking to Jay about it. I said, Freddie Kitchen's the kind of guy that I would want in a bar fight. And Jay said, no, you'd want me. And I went, why? And he says, because I'd be sober, which I always thought was a great, funny line. <laughs> but uh, Freddie was that kind of guy. He developed, and, and I really wasn't sure he would go in this direction. And I don't think I'm the only one surprised that he has re- reached this success as you know an offensive guru. But he has, and he's done quite well. He's done really well. And I think that uh, I think this is kind of important. Um, Freddie has dealt with the criticism of the Alabama fans. I mean, he, he took it and bounced. They bounced off like book. You know, he had Kevlar on. Yeah, he lived so, through it. He know, he knows what that's like, and I think that's a little bit important. I mean, you go back to twenty eighteen. He is the running backs coach at Cleveland. Hugh Jackson gets fired uh, after a, a horrible start. And then Kitchens is elevated to offensive coordinator and play caller. And as the play caller, the team finished with a 5-3 and three record. And that is when the next season, that's when the Browns hired Kitchen, Kitchens. Um, and he actually only got one year there in Cleveland. Cleveland went 6 and 10 because the expectations were so high, but uh he the he was fired after going 6 and 10. He's called plays for the Giants uh and again his Alabama connection. I just uh that's that's my vote if I had a vote, which I don't. Well, we know no. there's only one vote. Yeah. And that's it. And you know but what? it's just it, it's it, it, this seems I think both of these hires seem more important than usual because we just don't know how long Nick Saban's going to keep going. You know, he's he's the he's the oldest coach, I believe, maybe the second oldest coach behind Mac Mac Brown at North Carolina uh, in in, uh, in in NCAA football, and you just don't know how long Nick Saban is going to be running the program. So that's why, to uh, me, it feels more important because this could be his last offensive coordinator. Um, but, something and, tells and me last, not. And last I think he's there five years. I, I really do. He shows no signs of – and you know the main reason I believe that is because he just signed maybe the best recruiting class in the history. Yeah. And he, I think he'd like to see him through. Now, that doesn't mean four or five years anymore. That could mean a couple of years. Um but I mean, I I don't think anybody has any insight as to how long he's going. He's he'll go as long as he possibly can. I think physically, right? 
and he can he can do the grind and this and he can handle the stress and you know uh i was watching zach taylor the head coach of, of cincinnati his his final press conference last night and he said after every season all coaches get sick and i and i've seen it in the nfl because you you, you put in all these hours and i'm sure it's the same in in college as well you, 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 all of a sudden you you just go from you know, operating at 120 miles an hour to to five miles an hour, and everybody's bodies just like break down. I mean, Bruce Arians, he used to get so sick, physically, physically ill. Ill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and it scared his wife, you know, because uh, he had some other health issues, and ultimately, I think that's that's, that's the reason why he stepped away not not because uh Tom Brady forced him out or anything but but but, but it's just it, but it's just uh I don't know if you've talked to any coaches about that about how basically everyone gets physically sick at the end of the I really year haven't. because of uh it, it's just a, it's like such a shock to the system of slowing down and how and how hard it actually is to slow down so I don't know. He'll be here next year and the year after that and probably the year after that. But then who knows? Well, he does. Hey, maybe maybe, maybe. I don't think he knows. Back on and celebrated last year. What's that? Last week. I mean, he was somebody that said, it, whenever I stop coaching, what, three weeks or a month? Oh, Coach three, Bryant said yeah, that, and he did. Hours. Yeah. He called he said, his shot, unfortunately. He said, I'd croak in a week or something like that. Yeah, it was, he said he'd croak in a month, and it was actually 27 days written about it well he knows he knows a lot he knew a lot <laughs> well he, i mean, I mean it, the guy but, but called his own death yeah i mean, I mean it, it's it's uh i think that same sort of phenomenon is is what led to his death it's just it was right after the season he just season and, and body starts to react yeah. to not 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 having the the same sort of pattern day in and day out it's really interesting. I, I I would love to have a doctor on. Hint, hint. Uh, needs to sponsor the show. Okay. Uh, doctor who? <laughs> uh, Doctor Andrews. Doctor Wu. How about Doctor Kane? Well, he would certainly be able to answer that question since he's around them all the time. Doctor Waldrop. Who, You're uh, listening. Did my, uh, did, did, your did my Achilles? Achilles? Uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Has the pandemic affected your business? Even with more and more customers going online in the past five years, online business has grown greatly due to the pandemic. Now more than ever, it's important to have a light rain at times. The low tonight, 41. The high tomorrow, 50. And Thursday, a cloudy day with a soaking rain. The high, 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big News and Sports, Christian Miller, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson. Uh, you got Joe, Josh, and Aiden as well. Hey, I'll just run a couple of things. A couple of more things about Freddie Kitchens by you. Um, Freddie was also one heck of a baseball pitcher. He could bring it mid-90s. 
fact, I remember he got into a fist fight in the bullpen down at Troy because somebody kept dogging him. By the way, Freddie Kitchens is not somebody you would want to get into a fist fight with. Like I said, he's tough as a pine knot. He also, and I want to open up the lines for phone calls because we we got an hour here. So if you haven't called and you want to call, you want to comment on the OC situation, you want to comment on Freddie Kitchens, those of you that are more like my age will remember him and, and some of the stories uh, about him. So if you'd like to dial us up, it's 205-342-9904. I also remember... Yeah, I need I need maybe one of those <clears throat> veteran Alabama football fans over in Tuscaloosa. Or maybe you younger guys know too. Didn't Freddie Kitchens once break a rib sneezing? Does that story that, sound that I don't know. Um actually it, it sounds like oh wow. That can happen, okay? If you're if you sneeze Bruce very already. violently. What is that? Was it bruised already, or I, I I can't remember the circumstances except a lot of people were cutting up about the ability to break or bruise a rib. Maybe it was bruised already. That would make more sense. But anybody got my back on that? They can. We'll ask Christian Miller. Is it even? Do you think it's even possible, Christian, to break your rib by uh, by sneezing? I would have no clue on that one, Matt. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've probably heard of crazier things happening, so I'm sure it's possible one way or another. Uh, I I know that when you have broken ribs and you sneeze, it is torture. I live through it every day <laughs> because mine have not healed yet, and it's uh, it's absolutely brutal. Now, the first few days after you bruise or break them, it is it's it's so painful you yell. Now to the point where I just I'm I'm very very uncomfortable. So. There's uh, my little pitch on broken ribs. It's like the second time I've done it. I've known it. I've seen it. And you're right. Uh, It's not just sneezing. It's coughing. It's brushing your teeth. It's blinking your eyes. Everything hurts when you bruise your ribs. Um, Um, Yeah, you know, on the defensive search, right, for for the D.C., I I don't – my gut tells me that Nick Saban really wants to hire Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, because of their past relationship, the past success that Jeremy has had as uh, as the defensive coordinator at Alabama. But you have to remember, so uh, it was the NCAA which sent a notice of allegation to uh, to Tennessee about 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 Pruitt, his wife, and sev- several members of his football staff of providing, charging them with providing about $60,000 of impermissible benefits and and, and then also recruiting inducements to uh, about two dozen of their families, uh, of, uh, of the families of the high school kids. Uh, and the most serious allegation is that Pruitt and his staff hosted at least six prospects and their families on nine weekend unofficial visits during a the year-long dead period of, of covid and they provided them with lodging, meals, transportation, household go- household goods, and even furniture that totaled about twelve thousand. And Pruitt himself is charged with having made cash payments of three thousand dollars and six thousand dollars to the mothers of two prospects. Uh, the first was used apparently to assist in medical bills, and the other was down payment for a vehicle. Okay, so that's all in the past, but I, I think. Uh, as of right now, 
Pruitt hasn't the NCA hasn't found Pruitt guilty of anything. And so I'm guessing that Coach Saban or whoever at Alabama is having discussions with the NCAA seeing what is going to happen with Pruitt. Um, because you wouldn't, if you're Nick Saban, if if the NCAA is going to hit Tennessee and therefore Pruitt with a major penalty, you don't want him on your staff, obviously. Uh, that, that would just be bad PR uh, just or <laughs> just a, a bad look and and perhaps in perhaps even Greg Sankey could get involved in and in yank yank uh, Pruitt off the staff I don't know if it's that if that is the case or not you, but. you know Sankey has publicly said he really doesn't have a whole lot to do with that yeah but you know I, but I, I also wonder if he can just go hey but let's say the NCAA, but let's say. say the NCA clears Pruitt I mean, don't you think Saban brings him back at least in some capacity? Maybe, maybe not, maybe not the defensive coordinator, but defensive oh, analyst. An analyst. Yeah, I think he'd be smart to do so. Um, I know Christian agrees because he played for the guy. Yeah, yeah, Christian. What? Uh, what's your assessment of Jeremy Pruitt? And and do you think he's a legitimate, you know? candidate to come back to Tuscaloosa and be the deep, new defensive coordinator. You know, I really like Pruitt. I played for him and I just really like his, you know, fiery energy, you know, his passion for the game. And he's an old school style of football coach. He takes things very serious. You know, he's a player's coach. Guys love to play for him. When he meets with the guys, you know, he, he's just one of you guys, you know, and, 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 you know, he started in the high school ranks, you know, so he's very appreciative of the opportunities that he's been given He's from Alabama, so he's an Alabama guy through and through. He takes a lot of pride in the state of Alabama and uh, the university as well. You know, before we play Tennessee, I mean, he almost was tearing up talking about, you know, how much this game means to so many people, how sentimental it is to the people of this state. So I like guys like that. Th- those are the type of guys, those are the leaders that you want to go play for. And he's going to demand that intensity from his players. You know, he's not going to settle for mediocrity. He's he's going to make sure that we go out there and practice hard. You know, he's he's all about physicality, aggression, intensity. And so I think that's exactly what we need. It's just a matter of if he's a viable option uh, in terms of is he going to have constraints or limitations if he's hired in terms of recruiting or, or what he can or cannot do. Um, and I think that's something that they're trying to figure out now. I think that's why they're taking their time because they're really weighing their options. They're trying to understand what would be the situation or what it what would it look like if they did hire him i don't necessarily know exactly in terms of the clearing or the who he needs to go through or who needs to sign off i don't know the ins and outs of that if there is that and i'm pretty sure they probably are cleared to hire him it's just a matter of you know what's going on if i'm not mistaken i think he might actually have lawsuits against tennessee or maybe the sec or something or planned on doing that from being fired and not receiving his money i think there's just a lot of variables that go into it um, but I would not be shocked if that was their first choice I mean I'm almost positive that is their first choice that that wouldn't surprise me at all yeah uh, but I do uh, expect them to consider a guy like Todd Grantham who's on staff uh, he was in the analyst role the past season and you know he has a plethora of experience coaching uh, especially as a defensive coordinator I think he last served as a defense coordinator at Florida he was at Georgia when I was getting recruited in high school so I got to know him through my recruiting process so I think Coach Saban is definitely considering that as well because I explain this time and time again. You know, they hire a defensive coordinator, but at the end of the day, Coach Saban is a defensive coach, and he's definitely going to have his hand in a lot of the stuff. So 
whether you like the name that they hire or not, at the end of the day, Coach Saban's still going to be calling majority of the shots. You heard him say that in his press conference. You know, he can veto any call, and I'm telling you from being a player, he is in those defensive meetings. He is heavily involved in the defense. It's not as if they just hire somebody and it's strictly that person's defense. They have to clear everything through Coach Saban. So I think it's just a matter of trusting the process and letting them do their due diligence and who they hire, both offensively and defensively. They know what they're doing. He's been having to replace coordinators since he's been here. People hire coordinators year in and year out as head coaches. It's in the first time he's had to hire a coordinator, so there's no need to panic. Just let it all play out. They'll get the best guy for the job. And we've continued to win national championships since we've had to do this hiring process year in and year out. It's almost like a revolving door at, at the coordinator position at Alabama. So yeah, that's I mean, my it, message to anybody Saban, out there that's worried right now or that's panicking and everybody's trying to get down to the gist of it. I know there's a lot of anxiety figuring out who it's going to be, but let me tell you, folks, everything will be just fine. They'll get the right guy for the job. It's not their first rodeo, and they'll get it all figured out, and Alabama will keep on rolling. In this century, I'm sure that there has not been a coach who has hired more coordinators than Nick Saban. Not in that amount of time. There's no way. No way. And no. He's, and he's so he has his own process. Championships with each new coordinator he brought yeah. on. I, and 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 also on the defensive side, he, he let Golding go, right? But that was a mutual deal. Uh, 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 yeah. Maybe not even but, mutual. But 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 if, but if Nick sort that. of, I, I, I don't know where y'all I, heard that, but that's I don't know about that one. Well then, what do you th- what are you saying? I just said uh, left on his own volition. Uh, I, 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 that I wasn't right. That's all you're saying is Matt was wrong. I'm not saying. All I'm <laughs> well, saying. gee, I haven't heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's what Alabama needs to worry about. Okay, it's not the coordinators. It's not how long Saban's going to be there. It's who's going to be their quarterback. What was it? Uh, Ten years ago. Uh, that Alabama was in a situation very much like this, and they ended up finding a quarterback. Maybe Jake. Ah, uh, it was. Uh, hey, oh man, mine. I'll come up with it on the other side of the break. <clears throat> From T Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified. Back on Big Noon Sports. Thank you for joining us. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you'd like to do so via the phone, call 205-342-9904. As we were going to the break, I, I tossed up the concern that most Alabama fans have, and rightfully so, is um, they got a spring to go through. I mean, there's time to find the quarterback. But the last time I remember that Alabama was not able to find a quarterback. And it was it was the talk all spring, summer, and fall was uh, in 2016. Um, and that's when Alabama had the kickoff classic against USC. They kind of stumbled out of the gate. They had, um, at the time, the guys kind of vying for that slot were Blake Barnett, who after that year transferred. Same thing with Cooper Bateman. I mean, both those guys were 
five and a half stars. I mean, they were very highly recruited. Barnett especially. Yeah, and then uh, Jalen Hurts. Well, Jalen Hurts ended up coming off the bench in that game, and he passed for two, ran for two. Fumbled his first snap. Oh, he. Uh, so you do remember. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 52 to 6 was the final. Alabama just blasted USC. Uh, but you remember then that there, was, there wasn't there was a solid quarterback. Do you think that's going to happen this year? What do you remember about that quarterback battle? And then we'll go to Christian, who was on that team. Well, I almost think I shouldn't talk since Christian was on the team and he saw it up close. But <laughs> to me, I think Saban, he always uh, handles these situations the right way in that he allows the 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 contenders whether uh you know this this year will be ty simpson and jalen milrow he'll play both of them at the start of the year and whoever sort of wins over the team right he did that with coker and i'm not for sure uh who's coker and I can't AJ it doesn't matter it, it doesn't matter but that's always sort of how he's done it and it becomes clear to just even fans like who should be the starter after usually after one or two games. Christian, uh, now you can tell us how it actually how it actually works. <laughs> that was just uh, you know my assessment from you know uh, obs- observation. Yeah. So you, you, wait, sorry, ask me that one more time. And so you're asking about the quarterback battle. Yeah, the quarter, like just how Coach Saban handles it uh, back in 2016 uh, when it was uh, Jalen and, uh, and and two others vying for the starting job, and it's a, kind of a similar situation this year where you have two guys who uh, have relatively zero or very little experience. Uh, who are going to be most likely the, the the two players that are going to be battling for the for the job? And I was just saying that in the past, Nick Saban has sort of let the two guys play early on in maybe one or two games and just see who wins over the team, and then it becomes just abundantly clear who should be the first string quarterback. I mean that so that that's just what I've observed but you've lived it. So I just want to get your insight into how you think uh coach Saban is going to handle the the the, the Ty Simpson Milrow battle. Yeah, no, I mean you're right. I mean, he, I mean just like any other coach, right? I mean it's just a quarterback battle. It's the same uh battle at any position, right? If you have uh, battle at linebacker position. You just let these guys compete. I mean, that football is built on competition. There's no clear cut. Oh, this guy's going to be our quarterback. This guy, like, that's not how football works, right? I mean, numbers and stuff. And even I hate to say this, but what you did the year prior really doesn't matter. I mean, it does to an extent because you have tape, and you know they they can at least trust you to go out there and do your job. But you can lose your spot at any given day. If there's a guy that's more capable. Um, to do his job, you know, and, and, and is playing better than you, you can lose your job. And so they're going to look at this thing extensively. They'll, they'll start, you know, now with spring ball. You know, they'll give both guys, you know, a fair share of reps. You know, it'll be very fair in terms of letting guys, something like one day one guy will be with the ones, another guy will be with the twos, and they'll switch. And it won't even be like the whole day, you know, like one period, one might go with the ones, the next period, the other guy go with the ones. That way there's a fair share of reps with with uh, similar variables in terms of who they're playing with, the guys around them. 
And uh, no, you're exactly right in terms of, you know, who can it's, it's a matter of who fits the system, who can, uh, you know, run the offense, who can get the guys to rally behind them and win the team over. And you you mentioned in 2016, um, if I'm not mistaken, I, I want to say in the spring, David Cornwell was maybe the number one quarterback. Right. And then if I'm not mistaken, yeah. I, I want to say we had a scrimmage and and for whatever reason, he went from one to four. And so it was just all moving around, and nothing was ever very stable. I mean, and we had Cooper Bateman, who had starting experience, who started the year before in 2015, who ended up um, getting replaced by Jake Coker, who ended up leading us to a national championship against Clemson in Arizona. Um, So we had him on the roster, and he had had experience, starting experience. Uh, But then you had a guy like Jalen Hurts come in, a young guy who was, you know, we, we knew he was a playmaker. He was dynamic. He could use his legs. He could make throws. Um, he was he was definitely uh, you know somebody at the game plan against, but he was young. We didn't know how he would uh, be able to you know um, transition and, and really play that high level in terms of going against you know other teams and whatnot. We saw what he was doing in practice because he definitely he was he was showing us up in practice. But you know again, practice is different than games. But um, you got a guy Blake Barnett who's a very talented guy and um, big recruit and. Um, uh, I love Blake, and we we probably get him on the show. He probably would love to, you know, talk about his time here and and uh, and go over things with you. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things, Lars, where they're going they're going to give each guy a fair opportunity. And at the end of the day, whoever wins over the job, wins over the team, they're going to get the nod. And uh, and if you have a couple guys that can be fluid, just like we saw in 2015, we had Cooper Bateman, then we swapped him with Jake Coker, and they'll go from there. So they, again, they're very precise with how they do things. They're very deliberate. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's football, and it's going to be treated just like any other position or any other school that has a quarterback battle. They're going to let them battle it out and compete, and whoever beats the other guy out is going to be named starter. Um, several years ago, I did a long piece on Jalen, and I remember a couple of the players telling me about how Jalen arrived early on campus, and you were preparing to play Clemson in the national championship game. He was Deshaun and Jaylen Watson. And Jalen actually played. Yeah, he played Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, so he that's was, where I'm going with this. Could you could you tell? <laughs> yeah. Could you? T- yeah. That's why I wanted you to describe because I, I've heard that kind of that story before. But but could you tell right away that Jalen had something different about him? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, he came in confident. And, uh, you know, they're, they're using him, uh, on the scout team as, as a Deshaun Watson type player to help us game plan. And man, he was great. He was, he was, he was so elusive and shifty. And, uh, we weren't necessarily used to that in practice. If I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, we had, you know, you know, uh, the quarterbacks we had, you know, they were athletic, but not his type of athleticism. He was almost like that Blake Sims type of athlete, um, that really uh, could do damage with his legs. So, um, we were very impressed, especially for a young guy coming in there. And, and he was lining up against the first team defense, and he was man, he was making nice throws and, and, and making guys miss, juking people. Like he was, he was definitely something special when he first got there. But what really stood out was just his poise and confidence. He always displayed that from the moment he stepped on campus, and he didn't flinch lining up uh, against the first team defense uh, with guys like you know Jonathan Allen, you know Deron Payne, Reuben Foster, Tim Williams. He went out there and, and he just was confident as can be. And uh, he proved we knew that he would be special. It just was a matter of we didn't expect him to necessarily step up, you know, as a freshman you know, to take over the, the lead at quarterback and really lead us to an undefeated season, un, well, undefeated regular season until we faced, uh, you know, those guys later. But, yeah, so, yeah, he definitely had a lot of talent. 
Hey, let's take a phone call again. It's 205-342-9904. And Robbie joins us. I'm assuming this is Robbie, friend of the show. Robbie um, with the big golf tournament. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing, Robbie? Hey, hey, man. How you doing, buddy? Life is very good. Yep. Uh, We may be on a slight delay. Okay. Yeah, doing good, doing good. Yeah, we've got a big golf tournament. Working on it, of course, already. It's not till, uh till September. I, you know, I have another one in April, but the big one is September, but plenty of time for that. So everyone's doing good there? Yeah. Yep. Got our new digs, got our new show, pushing along. Why don't you tell our listeners yeah. about Striker Strong? before? Yeah, before you get into hey, whatever Lord. you want to talk about, why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, tell, tell our listeners about Striker Strong? Well, Striker Strong, it, you know, it's for my son, Striker Glenn. Um, uh, came down with, he had a rare syndrome, TBRS. And uh, so we were getting plugged in with that, doing these golf tournaments to raise awareness, raise money for uh, just trying to get more uh, info out there, get more research done. And then uh, one of the things with TBRS is uh, febrile seizures, which he had a bunch of them. But one of them he got uh, was really bad. Uh, he developed the rhinovirus, which is a common cold, but it hit his respiratory real bad. So when he seized, he uh, he threw up and aspirated. And when he did that, he just went limp. So we knew something was wrong there. And even though I was doing CPR on him, um, just wasn't enough. Uh, when you go with lack of oxygen for that well, you're gonna you're gonna develop brain damage. And so he has anoxic brain injury now. So we were in Children's for six months. They said he would never open his eyes, you know, after about a month or so, and uh, he did. And then they gave us we would never leave Children's, and we did. And then they gave him he'll only get a year, and we're in year three and a half. And now the experts that they say, is, you know, we're, we'll get five maybe. Um, so he keeps pushing through. We fight. We're doing these golf tournaments to raise money for him, for other kids with brain injuries, and now we're also helping other families in the area, other schools that deal with handicapped children that just need equipment, need anything, that insurance isn't covering. So basically that's what we're doing, and and it takes all our time. And how's Stryker doing right now? Yeah, uh, every day is a fight with Stryker, but he is doing good. He had a rough night, but, you know, those, those happen. Um, but he's, he's doing okay. You know, Lars, he hasn't been by in a while, but he, he's still smiling, um, gets excited. We just got a new piece of equipment in and that, you know, it's just crazy. Some of the, how smart some of these people are. He's got this new computer where instead of, you know, he can't speak, he can't move, but with his eyes, he can look at something on the computer. If he likes Mickey Mouse, he can look at the, the Mickey Mouse picture and if he stares at it long enough, the computer will say Mickey Mouse, and it'll turn it on. And it is just crazy. Oh, and of course, oh that's, that's great. Uh, and that, and that I want one of those. Uh, yeah. And, of course, I wasn't there yesterday. My wife had to tell me it was with uh, with one of the therapists that come by to work with them a little bit. And uh, they have Mommy and Daddy on both sides, pictures of us. And she goes, where's Mommy? And he kept looking at Daddy. No, where's Mommy? Daddy. Where's Mommy? Daddy kept staring at Daddy the whole time like, yes. That's my boy. <laughs> so that's awesome. But yeah, awesome, awesome. You uh, you you continually get Dad of the Year award. I yeah. think you've won it down about yeah, seven amazing. years in a row. 
don't know about that. I mean, you do great. Everyone, every every dad that we know, I think, just steps up, and you would too if you're if this happened, you know, to your son. And I like to think that, anyways. Or you know, all of my friends would do that. It, it's tough. I don't yeah. wish it on anybody. It's hard. Robbie, I know a lot. Yes, sir. I don't know if you wanted to talk about something else, but you know this business like, like we do. We have got to take a break. Do you want to hold through the break? Yeah. Yeah, no problem. All right, because I, I know yeah. you probably had a topic, uh, but Stryker certainly leads the way. All right, we will take a break, come back for a very short segment in order to wrap up our phone conversation with Robbie Glenn, former Alabama baseball player, and Antonio London Langham. Uh, and several other players say, Robbie Glenn's one of the greatest athletes he's ever been around. Have you heard him say that? He would wear him out in the gym on the basketball floor. He could bring it on the baseball diamond. Have you seen Robbie Glenn? Have you ever gone to a pool party at Robbie Glenn's house? It, I don't want to see it's him not, shirtless. It's not fair because yeah. he, when he's shirtless, it's just like, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's a little bit too much go, for this show. Shrinking uh, into the corner. Change the name from Big Noon to Big uh, <laughs> Back in a minute. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Non-trace spokesperson. Action Matters is responsible for the content of this ad. Attention all women who use Tylenol or other medications containing acetaminophen, including NyQuil or DayQuil, while pregnant. If you or a loved one took Tylenol... Light rain at times. Below tonight, 41. The high tomorrow, 50. And Thursday, a cloudy day with a soaking rain. The high, 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Robbie Glenn is online with us, and we are uh, limited by just a few minutes here as we get to our top-of-the-hour break. But uh, I know Robbie wanted to talk about something. What topic? Where are you going here, Robbie? Oh, no, just, I was just listening to y'all, and everyone's worried about uh, you know where we're getting these uh, analysts. I'm like, we forget that uh, the GOAT is in charge. I mean, Saban's got a plan. There ain't no way he's going to let this go anywhere. I mean, he'll have someone there for whatever quarterback, whatever defense he wants to run. So I'm not worried about it. And then also heading towards my favorite thing is spring sports, of course, with baseball, softball, basketball on the run right now. I know they had a setback. But, uh, man, this is a fun time of the year. So this is for me. I know, uh, Robbie, you, you, you played baseball at Alabama. Give us a, a real quick preview of uh, this year's baseball team and what their uh, potential is. You know, I – you know, last year you saw really a good team. I, you know, I hate they didn't get any further. I, I, I was really enjoying them. Now this year it looks like they got those arms. They still got the strong pitching staff. Um, great defense. It looks like they got some team speed all there again. I'm looking for that big bat who's going to step in and be that, that bomber. They've got the guys that are going to hit for average speed. I want to see who that's going to be. But man, they got some arms. Uh, and then coach, oh, man, I, I, I love him. I, I like the way he coaches. So I, I expect big thing this year. Uh, Tennessee's not going to be there. That you know they they were just so loaded. That, it was hard to compete against them. But yeah. you know, I want to see where Bama is this year. I think they're going to have a good year. 
And how about um, softball? I know Montana Fouts is coming back for another year, which has uh, a lot of the students who are really into softball. And I love softball, too. Uh, a lot of people excited that Montana is going to be leading that pitching staff. Oh, how can she you not? Yeah, it seems like it. But, I mean, yeah, that, yeah. having an ace like that on your staff, just got to get some hits for her now. We got to get some runs. Yeah, She's going to shut them down. We just got to get some runs. Robbie, break. come see us in our new yes, studio, all right? Yes, I will. I all will right. come by and say I got to see uh, Christian, too. I want to come by and meet him. Sounds oh, good. That's awesome. All right. Uh, thank you, sir. Our best to Stryker. Stay strong. All right. Thank you, Matt. See you All right. You bet. All right. See you, Robbie. Nick Saban um, came out here recently. Now, I read this story last night, and maybe there was information concerning this earlier, but... According to that, he just absolutely slammed the door on players wanting NIL. Yeah. Did you read this? Yeah, interesting it's, story. It's, it's a great story. We'll talk about that and more on Tim Brando next hour on Big Men Sports. This is an important notice to consumers facing $10,000 or more in credit card debt, medical bills, or other unsecured debt. You may not be required to pay it all back. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Hey, thanks for joining us on the show, and you can do so over the telephone. At 205-342-9904. It's Christian Matt Lars, as you just heard. There was a article I want to give. This is from Athlon, I believe. But the way things are today, this Andy Hodges guy may have been the originator of this piece. But then the way things go now, it could have been handed down the line four or five times. Right, Lars? I mean, that's yeah. you just kind of... Put your own signature on it and use all the other guys' quotes, right? I don't know that that's the case. That was just a small little baby tiny rant there. But anyway, here is a quote from Nick Saban. Some, someone with one of the best corners in the nation, in high school it says parenthetically, came to me and asked if we'd pay them $800,000 for the player to sign here. Uh... Coach Saban, according to Outkick.com, said, I told him he could find another place to play. Now, then he added, I'm not paying a kid a bunch of NIL money before he earns it. Right. Uh, Now, where is he in the list of coaches that are going to do that and those that are not? (laughs) Yeah. um, So Nick Saban was speaking uh, at the Embassy Suites uh, down in, in Montgomery, uh, and this was on last Thursday night, um, talking to uh, the Alabama Football Coaches Association at their convention in Montgomery at that Embassy Suites. And that's when he made these remarks. And it, it really it, it generated, uh, one, uh, people were speculating who was he talking about. And, you know, there have been posts by a lot of different people. And you can just... Google it if you want, or search uh, search uh, Twitter. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Christian, your your reaction. I mean, I I think uh, 
you know, Nick Saban, he's already calling for changes to the NIL and the and the portal, and um, and and uh, he just doesn't want to give NIL money out as use NIL as an inducement to get a kid to a school, and that makes a heck of a lot of sense to me because right now kids are going to the highest bidder. There's just no question in my mind that the number one factor in in where the majority of players are going the the elite players is money i mean it, it just it just makes sense it's like if you're out in the job market you're probably going to take if you have two offers you're probably going to take the more lucrative offer um uh, so anyway christian your your reaction to all of this well i think it was a very admirable and, and praiseworthy decision on his part Granted, he does have the luxury to be able to do that because he pretty much can get any recruit he wants. So him passing on one or two guys is not going to hurt him. And he's going to have success with or without them. And so I, I respect it, though, because he doesn't want to enable this behavior um, if, if he can choose not to. And, 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 he's, and, he, and he's basically saying that he's not going to do that. And, I, again, I respect it because that's my belief. Guys should not be – bid on to come play at a school you earn that money with how you play on the football field with your success and the relationships you form in the community the when you know when you're in that town of the school you're going to you know if you're, you're a high character guy people are going to want to work with you when you're making plays and you're you're building a name for yourself people are going to want to work with you it should not be hey we're going to pay you to come here because that's not what it's set up for. Now I get that's part of it now, but I don't think that's going to last very long. I think there's going to be some new legislation coming soon, and I hope there is. But my only argument, Lars, is about the, you know, people are going to the highest bidder. Yeah, these guys are doing that, but one reason is because they're only focused on the money. They're uneducated on the other uh, situations and, and factors that also um, play a role in it, like if the school has the degree that you're interested in, which a lot of these kids probably should pay attention to, football does not last forever, right? Even if you play 10 years in the NFL, you're going to retire around the age of 32. You still have 50 to 60 long years ahead of you. So you need to pay attention to that. Does the school support former players? I wanted to come here because I saw the impact that they had on former players. We have career uh, development programs for guys. We, we literally have programs that let you meet with business owners and help guys former players at the university of alabama get jobs when they're done playing whether they go to the league or not that was important to me they allow you to come back and work out and train that was important to me there's so many factors that these guys need to consider and it's not just the short-term money grab yeah it's a great opportunity i would love a you know a lump sum of money it's it's nice but here's the thing are they educated on where to put that money because if you don't know how to 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 manage that money you're just going to blow it so you're going to a school for what? A car, some shoes, some jewelry, some bags that you could get by earning it the right way or just waiting until you get to the NFL. And then you still don't need it because why are you buying it? Are you buying it to appease others who don't even care about you? Or are you buying it because you really want the stuff? So that's my thing. There's just so many things these guys, they're not mature enough. Like if you give an 18-year-old kid $500,000, he has no idea what a Roth IRA is. He has no idea what a money management account, what a brokerage account is. He doesn't know how to invest that money, how to turn that five hundred into 700000 He doesn't know how to do that. He's going to go out there and blow it, and it's a waste. So that's why I have an issue with it. But No. Well, Matt, there's more to the story even. Um, so Glenn Gilbo 
who is a reporter. He, he now works at OutKick, uh, a site that I'm really not a fan of. But Glenn Gilbo is awesome. He, he is a really good reporter, spent years uh, covering LSU. Uh, and so he, he's really good. He ended up reaching out to Terry Curtis, who uh, he's the president of this Alabama Football Coaching Association, and he's also a member of the Alabama High School Athletic Hall of Fame. So he's a pretty credible guy, right? So, and then Terry Curtis said that uh, that that Saban um, said that uh, that he was talking to Saban, and he said that we lost ten players and one starter to the portal this year. One of the players wanted five hundred thousand dollars for us to get his girlfriend into law school at Alabama and pay for it, and pay for it. Wow. And Nick Saban said, I showed him the door. A lot of speculation on who that player is, but uh, there is a certain player whose girl who uh, <laughs> who was in the portal and uh, transferred to a school, and he has a girlfriend who just happened to get into law school. You know what school that is? Miami. Gee, stunned by that. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, and, and but But, yeah, Curtis, again, talking to OutKick, um, he just said that Coach Saban was just just bewildered uh, at what these kids are, what some of these kids are asking for, uh, and uh, he said that Coach Saban was talking just about how frustrating it is to deal with NIL and the portal, and how there needs to be more ground rules. Um, and and Saban and 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 this it, and yes, there was uh, actually another coach who also confirmed Saban's uh, anecdote about a player asking him if Alabama could get his girlfriend into law school and pay for it. <laughs> it's you just know, what, what what are we doing here, Matt? <laughs> it takes a lot of you know what. I mean, I just um, God, I, I can't imagine being a parent. An uncle, but you anybody involved but, but with his I, kid, and asking for something like but that. But it, it appears that Miami uh, acquiesced to his demands. It appears. It appears. Well, uh, that that I mean, it, 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 all it, arrows it, point in that direction. It, it warrants more investigation. I would suggest. I want I want to bring up two things real quick, and and the the first is because we were talking about it last week on Paul Bryant's 40th anniversary of his death. This is another one of those, and you wrote a book on it. You will agree with this. This is another one of those things that Nick and Coach Bryant have in common. Coach Bryant would have said the same thing, although I'm not sure he he might not have cleaned it up so much. He would have, no, no. Uh, and, and by the way, that, that kid might have suffered down the line, if you know what I mean. Yeah. There might have been another phone call or two made. Um, but I do want to go back on this. Christian, Lars. Do you think that that NIL had more to do with Art signing with Texas than we really know? Christian. Archie or Arch, Arch, Arch Manning. Arch. Yeah. Uh, that's hard to say. I know I that's mean, a very I feel like he comes from money, Matt, right? I don't I don't know. I mean it could, sure, but I mean, we're talking about he comes from a family of some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL who still are doing so many uh media roles and I'm sure they have uh, a lot of money. Um, so I don't know if money was the biggest factor. That's tough to say, but I guess you could consider it knowing that Texas does have a lot of NIL money, and he ultimately ended, ultimately ended up signing there. So 
I'm not sure. I, my gut tells me probably not so much just because of, you know, his family background, but I could be wrong. Well, uh, according to on three, which has a, a pretty com- complex sort of NIL valuation uh, formula that uh, his net his, his 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 worth at Texas is about three point five million uh, per year. Well, never mind. Maybe so, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Uh, but no. But I don't. But but has but has he re- but has he received that money yet? But I would how say. how are they really factoring this in? Right. Like this is what I don't understand because I I I get the site probably does what they can, but let's just call a spade a spade. How are they really? coming up with these values like how are they keeping track of what these guys is it just like what they could be paid based on other deals done because who is paying this nil money are they are they factoring in the the collective funds are they are they going off individual nil deals with future dealerships or restaurants like how are they developing this number that's what i'm curious about when you mention restaurants sometimes there are things that are publicly recorded and so they're able to put that in but like you're saying there's so much that is on public record how do they have that right well uh it's so on three's nil valuation uh it's considered to be the leading index both for but it it, it projects a player's annual value and um it uh it, it, it's based on performance influence exposure and the algorithm they use, it has a, a, a lot of data in it. Um, and it it, it, it it sort of over my head. Uh, it's But, again, it really goes with performance, influence, exposure ratings, along with the athlete's personal brand value index and roster value index and uh, – uh, it, 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 you can see it for yourself if you just go to on three dot com and then and then search around uh, for um, their nil valuation explanation. So, but uh, who knows how accurate it is? I, I, I there's just not I, enough data uh, out there to there isn't, and and that's why we can't measure how accurate it is. But it sounds I, it sounds very subjective. It, actually. Well, it, but it it sounds like. If anybody's getting close to a measurement here, it is that. Yeah, they're, they're, and, yes. and I, we we all respect on three. Yes, very much. I mean, I don't think they're just making stuff. Uh, in no. fact, I know they're not making stuff up. But no. Anyway, all right. Um, I'm sure we can get some comments concerning this from one Tim Brando from Fox Sports, and we'll do that on the other side of these commercial breaks. More big noon sports coming up. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Ask Big. Have you seen our artisan-created diamonds? If you've been in a room with one, you can't miss it. Tom Osmond from Fincher and Osmond. Light rain at times. Below tonight, 41. The high tomorrow, 50. And Thursday, a cloudy day with a soaking rain. The high, 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. In the morning, I'm sipping a cup of black coffee. 
just a quick story as we bring Kim Brando from Fox Sports on. Last Friday, uh, I took the day off. My wife and I went on a little excursion for our anniversary. But I'm listening to the show on the way. And Brando's coming on, and she's listening, and she goes, Wow! Why are they playing ELO? I love that song. <laughs> and I said, that's because Tim and I grew up in the same way. Uh, our first big gig was rock and roll DJ. So with that being said, my wife is now a big Brando fan. So uh, how are you, Timmy? Don't let, don't let me down, down. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's great. I love it. That's uh, why I love it. Uh, that's super. Hey, uh Let's jump right in and just get your opinion on the Super Bowl coming up. Um, I don't. I think I know which way I'm going. Maybe Lars, went, but we want to know where Brando's going to go. Well, the Chiefs are the better team, but I don't know that they're going to win the game. You know, the better team doesn't always win in in, in Super Bowls. They're they're so evenly matched. You know, uh, an injury here. You like, by example, I, I thought the 49ers had a great chance but not with a third-string quarterback. I mean, when Brock Purdy uh, hurt his elbow, that game was over. You know, what, what opportunity they had was was toast. And so, you know, it can go either way. The good news, you know, from my vantage point is it really, you know, it doesn't matter to me who wins the game. I would like for it to be epic. I want it to be close. Uh, but, I, you know, on, on paper uh, – Based on experience within the organization in big games, uh, you're going to have to go Andy Reid and and Kansas City. But, look, I I realize in Alabama uh, it would mean a lot for Jalen Hurts to to win a Super Bowl. And, um, you know, Philadelphia, you know, has won uh, a Super Bowl in recent years. So they could lay claim to, what, their second title in six years if, if they get it. Um, and it's a proud uh, organization uh, in the NFC East. So, you know, I'm lukewarm on it, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I, I would have preferred uh, seeing a Bengals-Niners uh, Super Bowl, not because I care about the teams, but because there's some people on both of those teams I, I have relationships with that I really, really like. Um, but, but I do think Kansas City and Mahomes – uh, have the playmakers and the capability. Now that he's got a little more time to rest that ankle, I think I would give the Chiefs a slight edge here. Hey, I'm with you 100%. Um, but it would be an incredible story for a player to get benched at Alabama to go on and win <laughs> a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Don't, don't think that's ever happened before. No, actually it did. Let me say bro. this about. Oh. Let me say this about. Let me say this about um, the Eagles and Seriani. The fact that they built that offense around Jalen, man, how smart was that? You know, you, you a lot of teams. Yeah. You know, they want to they want to uh, plug their their way of playing the game uh, into an offense, and they won't. You know, they won't adjust to the talent they have, and they they now have. You know a running quarterback that they utilize as an extra guy that people can't account for. I mean, Jalen's offense is exactly the offense that he wants to run, and that's the reason they got there. So good for them. Switching gears, um, 
what did you see uh, happening uh, Alabama when they traveled to Norman, Oklahoma, and just uh, took a took a pretty good beating there? Does that raise any red flags to you about Alabama, or no. is it just uh, was it just one of those nights? It was one of those games, one of those days. I think it was an early. Yeah. A little bit of an early game, was it not? And uh, they didn't get the wake-up call. And, and Oklahoma's in a great conference. They may have a, a record that doesn't uh, wow you, and, and uh, certainly their standing in the Big 12 isn't upper tier. But that league's the best league in America. I think what, is, what the final result was 7-3 Big 12 over the SEC and the, uh, yep. the, Big, I mean, the uh, SEC Big 12 Challenge. So, um, no, I, look, it, it, there's a lot of basketball – it has to be played, and you're going to have a plunker uh, every now and then. And their best player had a poor shooting game. So, no, I, I, I'm still high on Oates' team, and I think Alabama can go a long way. Right now, uh, the best team that's playing the best basketball is Purdue, and they have an, uh, the ultimate rim runner and eraser in Zach Eady, who's playing better basketball than he, he Right now, he's got to be considered the player of the year. Uh, but the field, I would still take over Purdue. If, you know, you put a gun to my head, I would still take the field over Purdue in the NCAAs. And, and you know, teams are just, uh, as we get into February here, Lars, this is where uh, teams are just trying to, to get to the best level of chemistry that they can have as they get ready for the conference tournaments uh, and ultimately Selection Sunday. So, uh, as you know, I've been on the road a lot. Uh, I've, this is the first time I've been home for more than two nights this week. I'm home for four nights before I get up to Xavier uh, for Xavier and Providence this weekend, a uh, noon game, 11, 11 o'clock your time on Fox. Um, but but it's been uh, it's been fun seeing teams like UCLA and and uh, and Providence and Xavier uh, and Connecticut, all teams that have been hovering around or in and out of the top ten. Uh, recently. UCLA is probably the other team that I really like a lot because they defend and they have players that have been there and done that. You know, Jaime Hawkes is, is a great example of that. Uh, still some nucleus from that team that made it to the Final Four in 2020. And, uh, and Arizona is really, really good. Uh, may have the best talent uh, out West, more talent than UCLA, but I just love the way um, Mick Cronin's teams defend. They, they they rebound and they defend and can be really, really annoying to play against. Who is the best team you've seen in person that you've done play-by-play for? UCLA. UCLA. That was okay. a Saturday night. I didn't know if you'd done their game. About three weeks ago. Uh, I had them at home. Colorado gave them a great game, and they got a good coach, and they're, you know, middle of the middle of the pack in the, in the Pac-12. It was right before they played and lost at Arizona. Um, I think UCLA is, is they're deep. Uh, Tiger Campbell is a great guard and they have a solid, uh, athletic big in Bona, who is a Nigerian kid that, uh, is just beginning to scratch the surface as a big man. Uh, and he's only going to get better between now and March too. So the best team I've seen with my own eyes would be the Bruins. I have not had Purdue yet this year. I had them last year, uh, so I know a lot about them. You know, Edie was on that team with Travion Williams. They had the two bigs. But, you know, St. Peter, they were one of those teams victimized by St. Peter's, just like Kentucky. You know, they, they fell uh, at the Sweet 16 against uh, that St. Peter's team that 
you know, uh, was was the number one story outside of the national championship team last year. Tim, uh, we were talking earlier about Nick Saban's comments that he made at a coaches convention on Thursday in uh, Montgomery, basically saying that he had a a player ask him uh, for money up front. Uh, and uh, Nick Saban told him, "Hey, get out of here! You're not, uh, no, you're no longer being recruited by Alabama because uh, you get NIL based on performance, not potential." I- I'm still confused as as to how NIL actually works. I mean, can, are, are there school are there are there are there schools out there actually offering kids money somehow? as a, in an inducement to come? Or are they saying, hey, if you come here and you do well, then you'll be worth a couple million dollars? Like, I, I just am a little lost on, on the actual timing of how the money is passed along. I need a flow chart here. <laughs> well, let me, no let me pull something out. Uh, no yeah. The, <laughs> it's, a lawless, it's a lawless football uh, society. There is one thing, and if you go back to 40 years ago, this really hasn't changed when they were kind of doing the thing under the table, is that it's not the player. It'll be the player's uncle, or it might be the high school coach. And and if you read that article, it says someone came to Saban about this cornerback. So yeah. well, I don't know why I felt deal. it necessary to clear that up, but it's true, isn't it, Timmy? Yeah, and here's the deal. Nick doesn't like everything that's going on. He doesn't want to say that he's anti-NIL. He can't say that, but he is, okay? He doesn't like it at all. He can't stand it, but he can't say it. So, and don't think that's not being used by others in recruiting. And if you don't think that players are making uh, certain amounts of money through NIL based on potential, well, I'm sorry, Nick, you buried your head in the sand somewhere at Orange Beach. Because it's going on. I don't think there's any any doubt about it. And that's why he got in the trouble he got in when he made the statements um, that he made uh, to all the dignitaries about uh, Texas A&M and and Deion Sanders and the best player in the country recruited last year at Jackson State. Um, You know, Nick's going to say whatever's convenient at the time and is measured and makes his program look as above board as possible. But there's nothing above board about what's transpiring now uh, with with the combination of the transfer portal and NIL. I mean, we got to get this thing figured out, uh, and 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 that means these commissioners, uh, Sankey at the very top of the list, and whoever is going to be in charge of the Big Ten next to him, need to get up on Capitol Hill and let's get some bipartisan work done by Congress to stabilize things so we'll have some national regulations on how these things are being handled right now you know in the ncaa is beginning to restaff itself and you're noticing now some of those uh, uh petty things that are coming up with with michigan that have been brought up about harbaugh this and harbaugh that, that is such a smokescreen by the ncaa to make itself look relevant when it is not relevant the ncaa is done when it comes to football, period, explanation point. Tell it like it is, Tim Brando. Uh, Tim, can you stay through another segment? 
Yeah, absolutely. Be happy to. Uh, absolutely. He's so good with his time. We appreciate it. You're listening to Big Noon Sports back in just a, a brief amount of time. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. What if I told you there was a way to step into another gear for your brain and be much sharper, more focused, and improve your memory to a level that you could only dream about and notice these results? Sports. Tim Brando is our guest from Fox Sports. Uh, Tim, tell everybody what, where you're going to be and what games you're going to be doing this week. I've uh, got Providence and Savior at uh, 11 a.m. Central on yeah. Fox on Saturday. And uh, I'll come home for a couple of days. And then I head up to Ohio State. I'm going to get to see Chris Collins' Northwestern team that is quietly heading back to the NCAA tournament for just the second time in the school's history. Uh, I think they're right now either tied for second or tied for third in the, in the you know the second best league in America is the Big Ten, and they're just having you know very quietly no one's really paying much attention to them, but they're playing at Ohio State and I think Ohio State has lost uh, six of their last seven games and the game is in Columbus and Chris Holtman's got a heck of a squad. Sinzabaugh is one of the best freshmen in the country, and uh, they need to get off of this skid of theirs if they want to make the NCAA tournament. So I think I've got that one on uh, Thursday night of next week. I'll have a couple of games on Thursday and Saturday of next week after I do this one on Saturday. Tim, I want to ask you something uh, about the Pro Bowl here because it just popped up this morning, and I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but they've just added another quarterback to the roster, Tyler (laughs) Huntley. (laughs) <laughs> Tyler Huntley threw for two touchdowns all season. Yeah. I mean, and now this year they're not even really playing a game. They're playing flag football. Uh, mm-hmm. Isn't it time to put a shovel on the ground for this game? <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, you know, fellas, I, we're old enough to remember, I believe we are. I, I know you are, Coulter. Uh, we're old enough to remember. <laughs> yes, I am. We, we, the two, remember when the two teams that did not play for the NFL championship had a consolation game that we all saw, that we all watched? It was televised nationally. You know, the teams yes. that didn't make the Super Bowl. Remember that? Yeah. Back in yes. The late 60s, Do you remember when they used to, there used to be a game where they'd play the college football all-stars? Yeah, which, by the way, we all looked forward to. It was like, uh, yeah. you know, the Monday night football crew did the game. You know, it would be the, yes. the world champion Packers. And, and one year, the Packers lost to the college players yeah. in the All-Star game. And let me tell you something. Those guys were pissed when they lost. And I think they crushed the yes. college All-Stars the next year. <laughs> but uh, those were fun games to watch. And they, But, you know, the incentive in those games has been taken away with the, the money and the uh, – and the Players Association being so strong, you know, the the money that was made for postseason wins back in the day used to be a published deal. People were talking about it because in, in the old days, uh, even during the days of um, Captain America, Roger Staubach and those guys, they weren't making a lot of money. You know, in fact, I think when Roger signed to do 
football games on CBS, the contract was for more than Tex Schramm paid him when they won their first Super Bowl in 71. <laughs> you know, it, things have changed since then, you know? Uh, oh, the Pro Bowl to me is, you know, I'm, I'm with you. That They should just, you know, call it off. It's, it's as bad as the NBA All-Star game. You know, that's, that's even worse, by the way. <laughs> um okay so that's like uh, maybe the worst event that that uh, any of us has covered um yeah. but but you personally i may have asked you this question before tim what is the best sporting event you've ever covered and also what is the best sporting event you just have ever seen? What has been your, your – I always have my students write their favorite sports memory. So what would be yeah. your favorite sports – let's go that. Well, that okay, so well, best you've ever covered and then favorite sports memory. Well, I've covered a lot, okay, but I've uh, – Army-Navy is up there. Okay, Army-Navy, and I was hosting it on CBS, but I was at the site. We were in New York at Giant Stadium. It was like Apocalypse Now with those, you know, uh, those choppers coming across. I mean, it it was special just to just to be there and to and to bring on the the long gray line. You know that that to be able, have my voice associated with that. And we covered all the pregame festivities before we I, I handed off to Vern with my own voice calling uh, a big game. There's nothing like punching a ticket to the Final Four. You know, the regional finals, only four play-by-play guys are still working. And when you get to do that, and next to you is Al McGuire, that's pretty big. And um, that happened for me in 1998. That was the first time I got to do one. I only did a couple. And, um, you know, and having one of the guys, in my opinion, that's on the Mount Rushmore of basketball uh, color commentators next to me, you know, who I grew up wanting to be, with at some point in my career that was really cool and and i i mentioned this with the understanding that we just lost billy packer this past week who i also worked a lot with in fact a lot more with him than i did with al both in the acc but also at cbs when when jim nance could not work uh college basketball in the regular season because we had the olympics in nagano that same year in 98 i worked a lot with billy and bob dekas and bob fishman who were the best producers and directors of the Final Four. In fact, they did something like, um, you know, 30 of them together. Billy did 34. Okay, 34. Now, that will never be matched in any sport by any other commentator at any time. And why the hell he's not in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, I have no idea. He he deserves to be. He should be. And I hope they fix that. Um, you know, covering the Braves, when they won the World Series, even though I didn't get to call the actual World Series games, but I was a part of the Braves broadcast team in 1995, uh, working with Ernie Johnson Sr. was a thrilling year and a thrilling time for me. A lot of people did not know that I was uh, a baseball guy, uh, but I was. In fact, I, I probably knew more about that sport because I played it and played it relatively well at my level. And, um, you know, getting to do 50 games with him, in any season is something to cherish. But I'd say as far as events go, um, calling any championship, an ACC championship, a Big East championship, a Pac-12 championship, and, you know, I did all those things. You know, SEC basketball championship, which I did with Al that same year. Um, uh, that's pretty special stuff. Um, 
You know, I, I never was a number one guy, per se, at a network uh, as a play-by-player because I was spending so much time doing both studio and play-by-play, Lars. Um, but I'm still very grateful for all the things I've gotten to do. And, uh, and you know, I still believe that, uh, you know, my fastball is really good, and who knows? I, what might cross my way between now and the time that I hang it up? Uh, yeah, I still think uh, your fastball is, uh, you know, High nineties, put it that way. Um, I'm glad you. Brought, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought up Billy Packer because that's where I wanted to go next. And just give, if you could give our listeners uh, kind of a behind the scenes story of what it was like to to be with Billy, and then also, um, you know, what just in terms of broadcasting, what yeah. made him so good. Well, first and foremost, historically. You got to understand that Billy wasn't just a, a basketball analyst. He was a basketball businessman when television was first becoming a factor in college basketball. Uh, he and Jim Thacker and Bones McKinney, his old coach, were the first trio that called regular season games of the week on television for anyone. And uh, in your area, where in my area, we were watching TBS with John Ferguson and Joe Dean Sr. Uh, calling the SEC, oh, yeah. and that was that was all a part of Eddie Einhorn's TBS syndicator that did the Houston-UCLA game. It was C.B. Chesley along Tobacco Road in the ACC that really got syndicated basketball out there, and it, it wasn't until after the UCLA-Houston game in 68 that the networks really wanted to get involved because they saw how many people cared about one versus two. Billy was at the... He was a forerunner there, and, and they the network suits asked Billy to cut deals with coaches and schools to get these mega matchups that we would watch Enberg, McGuire, and Packer call, a lot of them on Super Bowl Sunday, you might remember, uh, on NBC. Particularly when NBC had a, a Super Bowl, they'd always put like an NC State, UCLA, or Maryland, uh, Michigan game on. You know, it was those, those guys were, they were at the, the very, Start of what we called modern day college basketball coverage. A, a quick story behind the scenes that you may get a kick out of, and I'm, I know Lars, you'll remember this, being the great scribe that you are. In '98, when Jim was uh, off to Nagano, the first time I ever worked with Billy nationally was uh, on an Illinois game, which was played on a Sunday afternoon at noon. Billy had done a Saturday game with another announcer. I think it was Vern. No, it wasn't Vern because he was in Nagano too doing figure skating. It may have been Gus Johnson. It may have been Tim Ryan. Someone was working with him in Washington, D.C. And in that game, uh, Allen Iverson was playing for John Thompson, and he had an unfortunate uh, moment uh, or an awkward moment, some would say, uh, when he referred to Allen Iverson as a tough little monkey. Uh, It was something that um, brought a lot of attention to him and not the kind that you want. But Billy was a lot of things, you know, and he was un, un, he was unfazed by the criticism. And I remember Ed Hightower, an African-American official who worked primarily in the Big Ten, was going to do my game in Illinois, and I was at the arena very early to get ready for the game. I had not even seen Bob Dekas and Bob Fishman yet, and he came over and told me about what happened. And I said, oh, my God, really? And he said, yes. He said, but said uh, uh, the writers are coming after him hard, but John Thompson, in his post-game presser, 
when someone brought it up to him in the presser, he defended Philly. Because that was a terminology, that, that whole you know, tough little monkey thing was something that was said by every player, white or black, or about players, white and black, who were guards that got in among the big trees and the timbers of the low post area and made play. And that was what he was referencing. John Thompson knew what Billy had done, even though he played for Wake Forest and Bones McKinney in the ACC, Billy had championed uh, African-American players coming into the ACC. And John knew that, and he spoke up on Billy's behalf. But during our game, the producer and director were giving me the business, telling me, hey, you better keep this guy in line. You don't know what might come out of his mouth. <laughs> he just, he just, Billy just played along and made me feel more comfortable. And that's what he did. He just made everybody around him feel more comfortable. It was like doing pain-free TV and flying a Boeing 747 at 30,000 feet when you were with him. Wow, what a description. Hey, you know, Cosell did the same thing on Monday Night Football. 1972. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, right. in reference to Mike Adamley, running back uh, yeah. for Kansas yeah. City in a uh, preseason game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he got he got absolutely slammed. Hey, Tim, as we go to break here, I appreciate your time as always. What was your position of choice on the diamond? Oh, where all slow white lefties should be, first base, and uh, I would mop <laughs> up on the mound from time to time. I was a I was a junk curveball pitcher. <laughs> I love baseball. We got to talk that next time. Thank you, Tim. We'll do it. You bet. All right. Uh, Tim Brando, Fox Sports. Tune him in this week. Uh, as we uh, come back for our final segment, there are just two or three, uh, I guess, pieces of housework uh, I'd like to get to very quickly, including Bama playing at home tonight against uh, Vanderbilt. So stay tuned to Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites quality. Light rain at times, although tonight 41, the high tomorrow 50, and Thursday a cloudy day with a soaking rain, the high 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, the gang is here. Alabama plays tonight, 7.30, uh, against Vanderbilt, a team they struggle with. They they won fairly handily in Nashville here recently in their first meeting of this season. Um, I got the feeling, Lars, that uh, Alabama will either blow them out or they might get beat. I mean, I don't, I, I've got no wiggle room. I don't, I don't see it. I foresee a blowout. Yeah. I really do. Uh, I, I, the think, best? I think it's weird. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's like they needed to get that Oklahoma game uh, like out. They needed a game like that, right? And, Where and uh, everything goes right for the other team and nothing goes wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, they ended up talking about the tragedy a little bit more after that. And 
Uh, I think the further away um, they are from it, um, you know, hopefully the, the, the better it will get sort of psychologically and emotionally. Um, and also I did just see that Jim McElwain, uh, former Alabama offensive coordinator, <coughs> coordinator just uh, inked a contract extension at Central Michigan. So uh, Jim McElwain will not be coming back to Tuscaloosa. Well, he I went love, to, by the way, I love Jim McElwain. He went to Florida, then he went to Colorado State. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Or he, in reverse order, maybe. Yeah, Colorado State, then, then Florida. Florida. Yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah, I believe you're right. But uh, well, uh, what what made you uh, what makes you dig Jim McElwain? Uh, well, <laughs> I got to know I got to know Jim very well when I was working on uh, the Storm and the Tide. He was coaching at Colorado State, and so uh, he really spent a lot of time with me describing his experience at Alabama and sort of what made everything so successful. I was very grateful for him for that. And also got to know his daughter, uh, who was a student at Alabama. Uh, she worked in the athletic department. And um, and she was always sort of hanging around, really nice, just a, just a, a great family. And I hate what happened to Jim at Florida. What, what there was, you know, the the, the, the photo. Well, I, the photo the, the, the photo yeah. is that the one that it, really. Yeah, it, it's just it, it was like just people at their worst. Well, it's, it's making a big deal out of a photo, and it wasn't him. Oh, I mean, that's right. It wasn't even no, him. it wasn't even him. Social um, media at its it, worst. At its absolute worst. But uh, yeah. And I, and I thought he did a really nice job when he I, was the o, the OC here at uh, at Alabama. So I, I thought there was perhaps a chance that he could return, just given the success he had here. Um, but uh, he is uh, going to be staying at Central Michigan. Well, does it, let's hear real quick how he's done over the last few years. What kind of record he's got. Uh, give me one second here. Nothing like dead air on the radio. Well, in... Uh, <laughs> hey, how was your... Uh, I never got to ask you on Monday. How was your anniversary trip? Oh, it's just great. You get to spend a lot of time. I went over to um, Silver Star. Won't go into great detail as to why that's our, that was our location of choice. But I, I will tell you this. There is no better place on this planet to people watch than at a casino. I mean... All kinds. And people that hit on 16, damn you. He was, we got to go. Matt Coyne was 9-4 in 2021 and 4-8 and and last year as the head coach of the Chippewas of Central Michigan. Non-trace spokesperson. Action Matters is responsible for the content of this ad. Attention all women who use Tylenol or other medications containing acetaminophen, including NyQuil or DayQuil, while pregnant. If you or a loved one took Tylenol,